0: hello and welcome back <clears throat> to college football breakdown well my mic is filthy um anyway <clears throat> when you use it all the time it gets really dirty okay but anyway <clears throat> yeah college football breakdown sorry about that i'm your host coach graff i have a really fun show for you at least i'm excited about it i get to talk about the stuff i really care about so Hope you enjoy it. Um, I know I will. <clears throat> but anyway, I know last time we had to cut stuff short because of technical difficulties. I'm I'm just gonna power through. Um, I'm hoping things. You know, we we've, we've changed a few things, uh, altered a, a, a few things behind the scenes. Hopefully, uh, we get that figured out. <clears throat> but if not, you know, I, I, it is just kind of what it is, I guess. Um, but you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep dragging along, and we're gonna see where this goes. Uh, but yeah, <clears throat> right off the bat. Uh, first off, I'm going to go over a few uh, college football scores that took place over the weekend. Um, a couple decent games. Uh, not not really anything you know major to write home about. There was a couple fun games, and the Navy comeback was fun. Um, and then uh, uh, Marshall Appalachian State was that was a fun game to watch. I feel bad for a couple of the kids in the game, um, but you know other than that, it was it was a decent game. And then you know Clemson did Clemson things against uh, the Citadel. I know, powerhouse, but at least they are playing them in week two and not week nine, hashtag SEC. Um, But anyway, uh, I'm also going to go over a couple of uh, um, Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 players because probably the biggest news that has come out since our last airing, I don't think it came out before the last time I was on air, but may have. So if it is, I'm sorry. But anyway, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have both announced that they are going to have a fall football season. So just like that, all of a sudden, all power five conferences are playing football. Uh, Pac-12, their week one is actually next week. September 26th is uh, when they're kicking off. When I read that, I was like, there's no way I'm reading that right. Like I'm, I'm looking at something wrong here, but I, the more research I did is like, no, they're, they're playing in six days. Uh, not even that five days. Their first game is in five days. Um, and I know they broke the news like three or four days ago or something, but still, man, that's a quick, quick, quick turnaround. You know, I, I've talked to a few sources um, and I, you know, as far as I know, they teams have been practicing or at least going through, you know, like, as if they were in season, they just weren't playing games. So hopefully, these you know these players come out prepared and and and, and uh, acclimated and, and ready for that game-like situation. We saw how many injuries just took place in the NFL this past week, and so many season-ending injuries and, and uh, like serious injuries like that are going to take weeks to heal. And it's like you know you got to wonder the no preseason, the no training camps or not really the no training camps, but the light training camps, The just how weird things have been, if that has anything to do with it. And it's hard to think that it doesn't. So I hope these college kids don't go through the same thing with this really quick turnaround from the Pac-12. Uh, but anyway, the Pac-12 is, is, is having a football season. They are having a nine-game schedule. Each team has a bye, and then uh, the week of December 12th is open. So they're planning that week for any, you know, say there's a postponement, say there's a cancellation due to COVID or whatever. They're leaving that week, the week of December 12th open to make those games up. And the week of the PAC 12 uh, championship, which is the 18th or the 19th. So the following week um, that week, we'll be able to, be used for makeup games for teams who are not playing in the championship. If I understand that correctly, I believe I got that right. If not, I apologize. And, you know, I'll make it make up for it later, but I do believe that's, that's how they're doing that. Um, but some good games slated for the, for the first week, uh, USC, UCLA, which is, has always been a, you know, the most historic rivalry in the PAC 12. Um, I've been to two of them. I've been to one in the Rose bowl. I've been to one of in the in the, L.A. Coliseum, it's, the atmosphere is is, I mean, I know it's pr- it's probably not Auburn, Alabama. It's not Ohio State, Michigan, um, but it, it's it's you know it's probably not even Texas, Oklahoma. Those are you know those are hard to match up to. But you USC UCLA cannot be far behind. Um, I've never experienced any of those other games, but the USC UCLA game, and it's it's fun. And I know UCLA's been up and down uh USC's usually been up. But um it's it's a fun game and, and and for those games that take place in the Rose Bowl and the LA Coliseum uh every other year. I mean that is those are two of the most historic and legendary football palaces, college football piles palaces uh around that have ever, you know, been. So it's pretty cool to experience that game and to be able to say that I've experienced one in each stadium. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of people out here that that have been able to, you know, go to every game multiple years in a row and stuff like that. But to me, it's it's special for me to be able to say that. Um, But anyway, so that is happening. Pac-12 is playing football, and to see USC UCLA play so early is going to be a little weird, Um, but it'll be fun. And then, uh, um, other than that, there's not really. uh, I mean, Arizona Arizona State should be an interesting game, you know, in-state rivalry. But other than that. uh, not a lot of really high key matchups, but it, it's going to be fun, you know, to see the Pac twelve play again. I know a lot of my my buddies in the industry are really excited to see that. So um, yes, Pac twelve will be playing football. The Big Ten will as well. Uh, they're not starting as early. They're starting about a month after the Pac uh, Pac twelve. Sorry, uh, Big Ten starts October twenty fourth, so they have a little bit more time to really get acclimated and and, and get their Footing. They don't have any bye weeks. Um, they are playing a, uh, eight game schedule, no buys, uh, first week of the season, October 24th and the championship game is December 19th. And there's a game every week in between. So, um, they're going to get rolling October 24th and they're just going to struggle along. Um, not sure what, if any, you know how they're going to handle postponements, cancellations if that comes up. Not sure. I didn't do a whole bunch of research on it. I just wanted to see the schedule. Uh, but again, pretty excited to see Big Ten football. I mean, they you know Ohio State, Michigan, always a good game. Um, they're 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 keeping it you know uh, for their schedule. They're they're still playing the last week of the season, so Michigan and Ohio State don't meet until December twelfth. Um, but you know, I, Minnesota is an up and coming team that's fun to watch in the big 10, um, Penn state, you know, they have a really good running back and journey Brown that I think could be, uh, probably the leading rusher in the big 10, um, with Jonathan Taylor gone, uh, that, that, that title for leading rusher in the big 10 is, is wide open if you ask me. Um, but yeah, so PAC 12 starts September 26th, which is less than a week away. And then big 10 starts October 24th. Um, so big news coming out of both conferences, um, exciting news. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to, to be able to watch those kids play football. Um, but moving on, the reason for my content today, and uh, you know, obviously big news with the Big Ten and Pac-12, I wanted to go over a couple of uh, two players, one from the Big Ten, one from the Pac-12. Um, and uh, right off the bat, I wanted to go over um, a running back from USC by the name of Stephen Carr. Uh, came in as a decent, you know, pretty pretty highly touted recruit uh, to USC. Uh, now entering his freshman season in 2020, he's going to be. A, I'm sorry, he's going to be a senior. Um, so he's been around. He never, he hadn't, he hadn't hit it yet. He hadn't really been the guy that everybody thought he's going to be. Um, and you know, in 2020, I don't know if he's going to really blow up the stat sheet just because of how loaded the backfield is at USC. They have, so Steven as I mentioned, senior. Vi Malapai, who was their leading rusher last year, he's going to be senior. So those two are going to eat up a lot of the the carries between them, those two. And then uh, also Marquis Stepp, uh, who who was a big contributor last year. And then also, um, oh my, uh, uh, Keenan Christian. Uh, he's he's a speedster. Uh, Step and Christian, once Malapai and Carr are gone, uh Step and Christian are probably gonna be an unbelievable and unreal duo at USC. Step is like six foot, six one, two twenty-five, probably even bigger. And then uh, Kristen is a is a, is a track guy. He's very fast, very speedy, very shifty, you know, open field kind of kid. Um, so with those two, man, that's, that's going to be a fun tandem to watch in the future. But yeah, those four guys, um, last year for USC, all four of them rushed for over 300. Um, which, you know, you don't see that very often and and they're all kind of clumped together. Uh, Malapaya was a leading rusher with, with a little over 500 and then, um, yeah, I think Christmas was the one that had the lease with like 306 or something. Um, but anyway, I digress those, um, uh, that backfield is going to be dangerous for USC. And speaking of the backfield being dangerous for USC, um, and I misspoke. Marquis Step was the uh, with the least. He had three hundred seven. Uh, Kristen had three seventy three. Carr ended up with three ninety six, and Malapai had five hundred three. Um, so all kind of right there together, um, and all of them were hovering around that five yards per carry average, um, which is just ridiculous. That's that's really good. <laughs> um, and, and they're all back, so USC's uh, backfield is going to be loaded. So I don't really see any one guy really emerging, and like I said, can kind of really owning the statue to think if you're Clay Helton, you got Keaton Slovis, who's a really good quarterback. You got receivers that you can trust in Amon Ross, St. Brown, um, and then uh, um, uh, Tyler Vons is back. And then I um, know I don't I don't believe Tyler Vons is back. I'm actually not sure about that. Yeah, Tyler Vons is, is going to be a senior. I was thinking he transferred out, but no, he he's coming back. You've Got a Ross, St. Brown, Drake London, who was a sneaky good player last year. Brew McCoy, who has dealt with injuries. Who you know, at yeah, first he was going to Texas, and then he came back to USC. He's a modern day kid, um, very very talented kid. And then he also got Kyle Ford out of Orange Lutheran, uh, another local kid here in, in Southern California. The receiving core is very you know outside of Vons. Um, who's a senior? You got Drake London going to be a sophomore. Ford and McCoy are freshmen, and then Amon Ross St. Brown will be a junior. Uh, very talented receiving core, a very talented quarterback, and a very loaded and talented uh, running back group. So that that offense has a lot of expectations, and I know everything starts and finishes with the offensive line. Um, so as long as that offensive line can really hold together, and they're they're starting five upperclassmen, two seniors, three juniors, uh, which bodes well for them. So I think USC's offense might be one of the best in the nation. So the fact that they are going to be able to play, and I'm not surprised that USC was so adamant to be able to play this year with with those, with those that type of offense, man. Whew, that's going to be tough to stop for any defense in the country, um, especially Pac-12 defenses. So look out. That's going to be a fun offense to watch. Um but yeah really you know i'm i'm such a football homer this you're everybody's gonna think i'm a weirdo for doing this most likely i don't know maybe some of you guys do this too but um i like the youtube old college football games and um the other day i, was, I just got the itch i was like you know i'm gonna start watching like i want to watch rose bowl so i just want to watch a, a marathon of rose Bowls. so i started in 1980 i didn't want to go too far back um but yeah i started in 1980 and now I'm i'm ready for 85 um, so i watched four of them, but, but uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing in my spare time. Uh, but now when you think about running backs and, and USC and, and the running back position, not, not really so much anymore, but in the past, they were just so linked together. The USC running back used to be like the position in college football. And I say that, and, and, and I'm sure many of you know the history of, of the USC running back, but um, let's just kind of go through a few of these guys. So 1965, uh, and just the, the, the embarrassment of riches um, for for USC and their running back position. So Mike Garrett from '63 to '65 was there. He won the Heisman in '65, and then uh, just a you know a couple years later, O.J. Simpson, the, the infamous O.J. Simpson. Um, showed up and then he was there from 67 to 68 he won the heisman in 68 Um, and then uh, there's a few years in between but then you get a, a true just unbelievable string of talented running backs so starting in 72 you get anthony davis he played from 72 to 74 and then ricky bell shows up you get him from 74 to 76 And then Charlie White shows up. He's there from 76 to 79. And then Marcus Allen, who actually played fullback for Charlie White, uh, played from 78 to 81. So from 74 to 81, they had unbelievable running backs. And those four, I just mentioned, Bell, Davis, Allen, and White, from four to one, are the top four leading rushers in the history of USC football, with Mike Garrett and OJ Simpson being seven and six, respectively, Current Buccaneers running back Ronald Jones is actually number five. That might be – a lot of people may not know that. Ronald Jones is the top five rusher in USC history. Um, And surprisingly, Reggie Bush, man, number eight. Um, That tells you how good that group of running back is. They're all ahead of Reggie Bush on the all-time rushing list at USC. Um, And then uh, I kind of got mentioning it earlier, but Mike Garrett won the Heisman at 65. OJ Simpson won it in 68, Charlie White won it in 79, Marcus Allen won it in 81. So that's four running backs in, in uh, like a 16-year span to, to win the Heisman. And, and I'm going to throw Reggie Bush in there, uh, the, the, the vacated Heisman from Reggie Bush. Um, he, he won it in 05. So you got a total of five running backs, if my math is correct. Um, yeah, Garrett, Simpson, White, and Allen plus Bush, five running backs from one college have won the Heisman Trophy. Unreal. Just unbelievable talent that has come through there. Um, and now you look at the roster now that I just went over with Carr, Malatei, Step, and Kristen. It's like, yeah, those guys aren't probably going to be the guys I just mentioned with Allen and, and, and Simpson and stuff like that. But the running back position from dating all the way back to 65 and, and prior to, to, to now, 2020, it's has always been such a great – Position worth of talent. Um, so, I, I really wanted to get into some USC running back film. Uh, I am going to go over Stephen Carr. Uh, I, I like him. He's a good running back. He has a lot of good things about his game. Uh, so, I do want to get into his film, and that's the first film we are going to uh, tackle tonight. Uh, pun definitely intended. Uh, so, yeah, dad jokes. But anyway, all right, here we go. We're going to get into Stephen Carr, and then later we're going to get into quarterback Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, so we're going to get a little Big Ten representation as well. But let's start off with uh, Stephen Carr. <clears throat> we're going to take a look at the film um, from the uh, UCLA game last year, um, which, I, yes, I was at. Uh, and then if you watched my show last week uh, with Ryan Dyrude, actually he and I were there together. Um, it was a, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. But anyway, all right. We're going to get into some Stephen Carr film. (coughs) And yeah, don't worry. I know I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm still able to be seen. That's okay. I'm going to try a little something different this day. Um, but anyway, so let's get into this. (coughs) So the first play, uh, he's actually not the ball carrier on this play but this just shows he's such a tough player and he's not just a running back he is a football player which is one of the best compliments uh, any position on the field can can receive um, you know it's one thing to say you're a great quarterback it's one thing to say you're a good receiver um, a good running back but when someone calls you a good football player you can't really beat that that's just that's one of the biggest compliments any player can receive in my opinion. Um, so let's go ahead and get this a little bigger. Uh, anyway, he, he's number seven here. He's going to be your lead blocker on this jet sweep. His engagement, his power, and his uh, his downfield ability to uh, keep sustained on his block. And he doesn't give up on the play. Uh, he doesn't stop until he hears the whistle. And uh, So here he is lined up to the right of the quarterback, first off color he sees, and just great engagement, keeps his feet moving, really, really solid, fundamental football player. This is a hard thing to do. Um, Open field blocking is such a hard task to complete on the football field, and very rarely do you see guys that can do it as well as Stephen Carr just did it here. It's I mean, this is how you do it that that's how you do it. You break down, you get a wide base. And as soon as you get within about a yard, you attack. Um, so really, really good job. I, I really appreciate that play from Stephen Carr. Um, that's a good way to start film. Now, here we go. Uh, another really good aspect of his game is a uh, pass protection, which when you get into league in the NFL at the next level, Pro teams are so big on uh, their running backs being able to pass protect. Carr can pass protect. He is he's so good at it. I will not be surprised at all to see Stephen Carr at the next level. He's not going to be like a first, second, third round draft pick, but I can see him go in the fifth round, maybe even sixth round. Um, if he does go undrafted, he will definitely be a, a top priority free agent signing Uh but I do think he gets drafted. He's, he's, he's too good not to, and he's got an all around game. He can, he can catch the ball. He can run the ball between the tackles in space. He doesn't have elite speed, but he can, he can block in the open field and he can pass protect. That's a lot of check marks and that's a lot of boxes that NFL teams and scouts look at and, 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 and checks just about all of them off. So, I'll be i'll be surprised if he doesn't make it um, for someone in some capacity um, yeah see he so and not so great communication uh, you know whatever the line call is obviously the line is sliding to the right uh, normally when this happens if the line slides to the right you will see the running back line up to the left you usually don't see him cross the quarterback space like this um, but for whatever reason that's just how it ends up here and Card does a great job of of, of uh, crossing the formation, going from right to left, picking up the the free blitzer, and uh, and that's one of the biggest things is is knowing the line call. It's in and nine times out of ten, it's the quarterback's job to identify and call out the blocking assignments. Uh, you know every team has a different you know code word for for the the line assignment so whatever this one is um you can see the line is is shifting to the right everybody everybody's going to the right and Carr's coming over and picking up the free blitz on the left side so um he does a great job keeps his quarterback clean allows him to complete a pass down the field for a first down without the offensive line and without Stephen carr being on the same page uh that's probably a, a sack not gonna lie uh, so here we are we got Carr uh, sharing the backfield we're going to get motion here, and, and we're going to have a triple option type of play, but uh going to get the handoff. He does a very good job of sticking his foot in the ground once he sees the hole, and that's another thing that I really like about his game is his explosiveness. Once he sees the hole, he hits the hole, and, uh, and uh, he's going to go get yards. He's he's very rarely tackled for a loss. He's a tough runner. Um, he's got good vision. See hole, hit hole, son. See hole, hit hole. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Get that foot in the ground and get north and south. A really good job by Carr. Um, you know, all this all this in here is is a mess. That's a mess, and he has you know he sees everybody kind of shifting. Uh, The momentum of the defensive line is starting to go to the right. And he just puts his foot in the ground and comes right off of his tackle. We got a good second level block here from probably the tight end. uh, And then he just accelerates and goes and gets what he can. uh, And that's almost a first down. Great run. Great run. Here's another look at it. No, that's a – never mind. That's the next play. One more time, though. I love seeing running backs put their foot in the ground, get north and south. And that's exactly what Stephen Carr does here. Put your foot in the ground and get north and south. Boom. Go. I would like to see two hands on the ball. Um, You know, when he's initiating contact there, I would like to see um, a little bit better protection. But, you know, again, just a little point of improvement. Um, There's never going to be perfect film. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. I do like it though. It was a good play. Good play from Stephen Carr. Okay, here we go. Just, (laughs) that's a tough run. That's exactly, that's all that is. That's toughness. Uh, He sees the hole, he gets north and south, and he utilizes his shoulder pads correctly. And and in all all honesty, that's a good tackle. That is a good form tackle. He's wrapped up, um, but he doesn't, he he does not stop his feet. He keeps his feet moving, keeps his momentum going downfield. You know, kind of spins out of it a little bit and goes goes and gets like three, four more yards after a contact is initiated, which is a hell of a run. Contact is initiated right there at about the 20-yard line. And he ends up like, yeah, look at that. He gets like five, six extra yards. Great run by Carr. You just, it seems so minute. And, you know, when you watch, you know, that that wouldn't make it on a lot of highlight reels. But to me, that is what I want to see from a running back. That right there, man. I, I love that. Absolutely love that. Uh, big fan of uh, Derek Carr. Big fan of Stephen Carr. Big fan of Stephen Carr. If you can't tell already. <laughs> He's just so fundamentally sound um and this is uh one that i really want to show we don't spend a lot of time in. it's just fundamentally and that's what i'm talking fundamentally sound football he carries out his fake and then he initiates contact he's not he doesn't shy away man and i know that you know there's a time and a place for contact and, and I you know running backs have the shortest shelf life in the nfl um in my opinion and, and uh just because they take so much punishment to their body, but I love the care, the fake, and I love that he initiates contact, um, and he, he doesn't shy away from the bigger defensive lineman. That's that's the only reason I I earmarked that play. I just like it. I, I think it's a tough play. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Oh yeah, <laughs> again, just uh, just. Putting his toughness on display, uh, you're not going to see a lot of, a lot of running backs in, in the, in the country that are tougher runners than, than Steven Carr. He's an unbelievably tough runner and he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, you know, he's not, you know, some big Jack 220 20, two guy. He's a, you know, I'm not even really sure how big he is. Um. but I know he's not that big. Well, uh, six foot two 15. So I guess he does have pretty decent size for, for whatever reason. I was thinking he was like five, 200, but now six foot two 15. He's he, add that at there's another box of checkoff, uh, size. He's got the size, uh, to be in, to be an NFL back six foot two 15. Um, no wonder he likes contact. Just another look at it, putting your foot in the ground to evade the backfield tackler. Um, not a lot of running backs can do that. And then he gets back on his original course because he knows where the play is designed to go. Um, and, and, you know, and I do drills with my running backs all the time for stuff like this, trying to get them to uh, maneuver in the hole. And, you know, when, when stuff leaks through, you're not always going to have a perfect path to where you want to go and where the play is designed to go. You know, there, there's sometimes going to be a defender leaking through to where you have to alter your path. And then you, you, as soon as you alter it, you try to get right back on it. Because if you alter it too long, you're going to have free runners come at you because the line can't see behind them. They have no idea, you know, exactly what's going on. They're just blocking their assignments and where they, you know, where they're trying to, to create the holes for the design of the play. So when you, when running backs have some backfield trash that they have to get around, especially right after a handoff, evade it. But get right back on your path, right back on your course as soon as possible. And that's how you're going to get the most yardage. Uh, you know, when you see these guys, sometimes they they bounce it or, you know, they, they panic when they see someone leaking through like that. And they just, they shoot outside or try to Barry Sanders, you know, try to do a Barry Sanders type of play. That stuff rarely works because your blockers don't know what you're doing back there. They can't see behind them to where, you know, to, to, to alter where they're taking their guys so as soon as you make that first guy miss man get back on your path because that's where you're going to get the most yardage and uh um, if you try to bury sanders stuff more than likely you're going to get no gain you're going to lose a yard or possibly two three you have a big loss uh, but when you get back on your course you're going to get at least a yard or two you're going to have a positive play um, which is what happens here you know when you watch this play and you see that immediate backfield um, penetration. I mean, right there, you have a free blocker coming at you. Carr does a great job of putting his foot in the ground, making a miss, and then getting right back on his course as soon as possible. And he goes and you know, lower shoulder, tough runner, keeps his feet moving, um, and, and gets, you know, a handful of yardage on a play that really should have been a negative one for the offense with a free blocker coming or a free defender coming like that. Just a really, really good play. Really good play by Stephen Carr. I love how tough of a runner he is. I love it. I respect the heck out of uh, his running style. Old school. He's old school. <clears throat> Little floating action. Now, here we go. Getting the open field, young man. Again, see hole, hit hole. Uh, <clears throat> it's really not that hard. Um, Once you see that hole open up in front of you, put your foot in the ground, get north and south, and, again, that's probably the best aspect of Carr's game. Boom, exploding through holes. Once he sees it, he's going to punish anybody that tries to take him down. Uh, He does a great job of identifying the hole. He has patience right off the get-go. But as soon as he sees it, you can see him accelerate right there. That's his acceleration. Um, And, again, he's never going to be the fastest guy in the field. But he he very well could be the best running back on our team. And, uh, and a lot of this has to do with just his running style and uh, and how he sees the field and how he exploits. And that's just 97 thinks he has a tackle for a loss. This defensive lineman for, for uh, UCLA thinks he's making a play. Right here. He's leaking through. He does a great job of beating his blocker. And he's thinking, all right, I'm about to make a play. But guess what? Carr is uh, is already preparing to accelerate, and he leaves 97 right it. Look at that. You don't see a lot of running backs do that. It's a hard thing to do, and he ends up getting a really good play, turning a positive play, getting a first down. <clears throat> All right. Same type of thing. The acceleration through the hole, a little open field um, uh, move. And again, he he lacks the elite breakaway speed uh, that, that some players possess. He doesn't have that, but he makes up for it in so many other areas. Um, And again, here you, you you notice the patience off right off the bat. You see his patience, but his acceleration through the hole, you, you see it, you see it on film. He's patient. And then when you When he sees the hole, you see him explode, which is what I like to see. Explode. There it is. Explode. Get to the second level. Uh, And that's not like that's a a fantastic move. You know, he sees the hole, boom, right there. Great vision. Uh, Put your foot in the ground and get north and south. Um, you know he tries to tries to break away, but he just doesn't have the have the horsepower to do it. But man, I'll take that play every day. I love that play, and uh, and and this angle of it, the the end zone angle is so great because <clears throat> I'll show you why. So right here, a lot of running backs would think, "All right, here's my hole." No, it ain't. Thirty five is going to plug that, and you're going to get maybe a yard or two. He sees. A block here and he sees uh his guard come off here uh and and he knows a true hole and, and you know a lot of this has to do with play design and running it in practice and and seeing it develop in front of you multiple times. But he he doesn't he doesn't hit this one. You know, that's that's gaping. It looks like a pretty decent sized hole. And I know the center is probably gonna or guard will slide off and, and try to pick up 35, but card does a great job of, of identifying the true hole. Pressing the gap and then exploding and getting in the second level. Boom. That's uh, that's such a good run. That's such a pretty run. We're going to watch it one more time. I'm sorry. That's so good. I could watch this all day. Just get lost in it. Accelerate, young man. Gah! Uh, put them on skates. Put them on skates. There he goes. Trying to channel my inner Chris Berman. That's a perfect Chris Berman play. Where's Chris Berman when you need him? It's a perfect Chris Berman play. But anyway, moving on. I kind of like football. Another pass protection. Just a great job. And it's not like, you know, uh, the blitzer there, you know, whatever he's doing. It's not like he's coming too god awful hard there. Um, but Carr does a great job of, of 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 identifying, picking up again. That's you know you don't see it on film, obviously, but that's communication. That's all it is, is: communication and and running backs knowing what the blocking assignments are and what the what the line call is. That's all it is. Great job of picking up the free runner and knowing where you're supposed to go. So many times when you see quarterbacks get sacked and 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 you think, how did that even like? How is that guy coming at your how is he not accounted for? Because it's miscommunication. They're running either that or it's just a great blitz call and, and you're sending more guys than than the office can then pick up. But in that situation, that's what, you know, defensive coordinators try to do. That's why they get paid because they're trying to, uh, do these things with the defensive line and then send the late blitz from a defender or, or a defensive back or a linebacker to try to confuse the line, confuse the running back. Um, but USC's line and 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 uh, card is, they're they're doing a great job of communication, uh, and and they know who to pick up, when to pick up, and and whose assignment is what, uh, and that's exactly what happens here. Just good sound assignment football, good communication, and, and and should have been a completed pass. It wasn't, but that's not that's not your fault. That's not the line. That's not the running back. That's just a. You know, a, a, a drop ball by the receiver, but you gave the quarterback the opportunity to complete a pass. That's all. That's all you're asked to do: give him the opportunity. Hmm. Yeah. Again, that's like a, a yard gain. Um, but again, great job of making the backfield defender miss um foot in the ground nope that ain't gonna happen just a nice little jump cut um sneaky sneaky quick uh his car just is so pretty and again it's it's a one yard game but you know what that's that's because of car that's a that's just that's just, that's just a good play and it's one yard but i'm still gonna give him props because he got the yard. <laughs> he got the yard. All right, here we go. Again, putting that foot in the ground, seeing the hole, hitting the hole, getting north and south, and then lowering your shoulder at the end of the run to, to get, you know, as much as you can out of that out of that run. I love his physicality. He is a physical runner. He's not afraid of contact. And more often than not, he is the one initiating contact. But to see the play we just saw where he can maneuver around to make that guy miss, and then to see a play like this where he he can lower a shoulder and, and carry guys with him, that's a great combination of skills and, and, and a combination you just don't see very often. <clears throat> All right, just a couple more. Just a couple more, and then we'll move on to Justin Fields. Here we go. I want to see him catch a pass. <clears throat> Again, he's a he's a he's a decent open field runner. The only thing is, he just doesn't have the speed. But he has the moves. He has the vision, um, and he has the instincts to where he can be very dangerous in the passing game. Uh, cover the ball up, though. That's that's something that I would definitely want to work on. If I'm coaching RBs at USC, which my guy, talk about a dream job. Running back coach at USC. <laughs> mm. But again, he does a great job. There's nobody leaking through. Lions picked everybody up. Now release into your route. Release. All right. And yeah, exactly. Nobody's covering you. Close the window, though. Close that window, son. And when I say that, close the window right there. See that? That should be closed. We shouldn't see a window. We should never see the ball um, being you know, carried around haphazardly like that. We should have this elbow tight, the wrist up. High and tight is what we call that, high and tight. But the window's open right there. That's, that's a very, uh, very good look at it. <clears throat> Let me see if I can see my pause game, how strong it is. Boom. Look at that. Um, that that's what we say by close the window. Uh, no, there's no immediate threat here, but I, I don't care. Close the window. Um, that That's point of improvement right there. Tuck your elbow in, get that ball high and tight, uh, and close that window. There's no need for you to swing it out like that. No need. Close the window. He leaves the window open way too wide. Shouldn't be open at all. But anyway. All right. Now, let's get you into the end zone. huh? What do you say? What do you say? What better way to end a film session than with a touchdown? Get in there, young man. And it's not like he had um, a wide open lane into the end zone. It's not like he had... um, a two lane highway that was, you know, in Northwest Missouri at two o'clock at night. No, no, he had a, he had a, he had a <laughs> a five freeway in front of him where he had to get through the traffic and he had to plow his way in there. Um, but Hey, that's, uh, <clears throat> that is a very good, uh, set of film there, young man. So Stephen Carr, big fan of his, um, a lot, a lot of things to like about his game. And I think he's going to have, Um, a a solid year for USC, obviously loaded backfield, as I mentioned earlier, but um, he's going to be one of the key components of that. Uh, He and Malapai, the seniors, are obviously going to get the bulk of those carries, but you can't leave Steph and Kristen out of that equation. They're too good to to not be on the field. So, um, you know, probably not going to see any of them go much more than 600 yards uh, and I'd be surprised if if any one running back in that group gets to that, just because of how many talented legs you have in that group. So, but it's going to be a fun group, regardless. USC's offense—if you like offense, if you like points being scored—check them out. They're going to be fun. Okay. All right, let's get into some Big Ten action now. What do you say, huh? Some Midwest old school, um, old school football, not really old school. Game whatever. Ohio State, one of the most respected uh, and successful programs, not just in recent memory, but in history. Uh, Ohio State is, you know, you don't really even need to say much more than the Ohio State University. Um, uh, they're, they're, they've they're been one of the most successful and, and respected historic programs uh, ever. And they the fact that they sustained so much success um, throughout history is 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 pretty rare you know you got the Oklahomas you know you got your Alabamas uh, and you got you know your USC's you know Texas but you know you usually see teams like that have down years and I know Ohio State they've had down years and they're not always competing for national titles um, but they're always competing for a big 12 or a big ten title uh, they're always, usually top five, top ten recruiting, they're just they just crank them out no matter who the coach, you know, from Mark Tressel to Urban Meyer. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of guys, you know, Bo Schimbeckler. I, I I probably just committed um, <laughs> committed a major crime. I think he was actually uh Michigan coach. Yeah, he sure was. He sure was. That's my fault. Woody Hayes. There we go, Woody Hayes. That's what's funny. You, you won't believe me, and that's fine. But in my head, I was like Woody Hayes, and I was like, oh, I think it's Bo, Actually, I better not, you know. And then I, I overthought it, and then I, I made the exact mistake I didn't want to make. But anyway, so many coaches for the, for the Ohio State Buckeyes have stalked that sideline and uh, won so many games for Ohio State. And So many players have come through, uh, and they, you know, not only do they rake in top recruits all the time, but then they crank them out and and send them off to the NFL. So, um, just a really respected program. But we are going to get into some Justin Field tape. Um, Let's see if the hype is worth it. Uh, The kid threw, like, 41 touchdowns last year to, like, three interceptions, um, which is, like, those are video game numbers. That's just stupid good. Um, stupid efficient it's like how do you even accomplish that you know how does that even happen especially playing in conference like big 10 you know when you got defenses all around it's it's crazy it's crazy um but a very talented team and Justin Fields is a big 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 part of that but is he perfect absolutely not Um, but let's see what Justin Fields can bring to the table Getting into our first play here. Uh, so right up, yes, it's a sack. This is a negative play for the Ohio State offense. Um, but just look how tough Justin Fields is to bring down. That's what I want to highlight here. Is it takes like two, three, four guys to actually bring him down to the ground. Uh, yeah, it's a sack for Ohio State, but you know what? This is a strong kid, a tough kid. Yeah, they initially they eventually get him down, but it didn't take one of y'all. <laughs> it took a group. It took a group. There's one, there's two, there's three. Here comes the fourth. It took four of y'all, four of y'all to get him down. So I just wanted to highlight that, uh, show that he is a tough kid. He is a, a naturally gifted, strong kid, Uh And, uh, and that's, you know, when you see him in the NFL, you know, that big Ben factor, the Ben Roethlisberger factor of like, uh, you know, you got your, your edge guys coming off and they're trying to get you down. And you're just so naturally strong that you just kind of, you, you brush it off and you shake them off, do whatever you can. And then, you know, strike downfield. Justin Fields has that ability. Now he's not as big as big Ben, but he, he has the ability to stand in the pocket withstand. uh, Withstand pressure. You know, he's 6'3, 230. You know, he doesn't seem that big. He's de- he's a deceptively big kid. Um, and uh, and just I just wanted to, that's that's the only reason I would ever show a sack like that. It's like, yeah, that kid has something special um just to be able to withstand something like that. But anyway, all right, moving on to actually some some uh positive plays um from Justin Fields. Just an absolute dime of a throw. Dime of a throw going through. You can see him going through progressions. um, Just lays it out perfectly for his receiver. Uh, The receiver doesn't break stride at all. Uh, Doesn't have to adjust his body. All he has to do is put his hands out and make the catch. Boom, let it rip. Blown coverage. Not really blown coverage. Just maybe poor coverage. You can see him looking left, looking right, sees his man. Uh yeah. That'll do. That will do. All right. <clears throat> now, we talk about a lot of we we've looked at a lot of reads in film sessions. Uh, and I've talked, and there's absolutely zero reason for Justin Fields to keep this ball. Perpendicular shoulders. He's not committing. And he's just kind of shuffling his feet, waiting for you to make your move. Give the ball. He's not committing. Give the ball. And then you look at your line locked up, locked up. Uh, you got a double here. You're going to be locked up here. You can slide off and pick up this guy. We got a, a guard coming across or a center, or whatever. We got a lineman coming in to get this linebacker. Hand it off to your man. You're going to get some yardage, but instead you keep it for whatever reason. No idea what you're thinking right now. But you keep it and then you run about 15 yards to gain one. Uh, not a good play by Justin Fields. Uh, not a good decision. That that uh, That's the better way and more appropriate way to put it not a good decision um, by justin fields here we'll take one more look at it but again he's reading i'm not really sure why again yeah just not i mean i guess he gained more than one yard but still give that to your running back just give it man just give it 97 is just not a good enough athlete to make that play Maybe that maybe he saw it on film. You know, there's so many variables uh, that go into football. You know, we, I, it's so easy for me to sit here and, and criticize what he's doing. But maybe he just saw something on film in his preparation um, where he was like 97 is not a good athlete or not. You know, maybe 97 is just not as good an athlete as I am. Maybe he saw that on film. So he, he made a mental note to know that uh, 97, I, it's, it's not a problem. Uh, You know, maybe that's what happened. But to me, it's like, man, just stick, stick to the fundamentals. Don't, you know, don't go too off script here. Um, Because that's, you know, when you go off script too much, that's when negative things happen. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, For me, I'm going to, I'm going to put a little, little negative to that. I think you made the wrong decision. I think that should have been handed off. All right. <clears throat> now, this this is an impressive throw. Big gain, of course. A lot of that is, is yards after the catch. Um, but Justin Fields, pressure in his face, little sidearm. Man, that's not an easy throw to make. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, nowadays, when you talk talking NFL football, you talk Russell Wilson, you talk Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, making these, you know, tough throws. Well, here's one from Justin Fields. That's that's a good, that's just a really good, accurate throw with really an unorthodox throwing motion. That's a shortstop throw. That's a Kyler Murray throw. Boom. Quick release, little flick of the wrist, and uh, and, and and go. You know, give your receiver a chance to make that play. I just want to see it one more time from the end zone angle because um, it is impressive. Pressure in the face, boom, get rid of it. Oh, that's good. That's that's a good play. That, young man, is a good play. Now here's a good decision. Now we have a good decision. We're reading. You can see his shoulder starting to turn. And he 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 just gets way too sucked in. He so he's, he's that 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 read guy is sucked in way too far, and Fields makes the right read pull it. He does a good job of riding the mesh, um, uh, for a long enough period of time. Ride the mesh, ride the mesh, go. He committed. Uh, now you can pull it. That's a good play. I like that. I like that. Okay, let's jump ahead just a little bit. We are running out of time, but you know, we're going to finish strong here. We're going to finish strong with Justin Fields. Now this throw here, I would love the opportunity to, you know, obviously when you coach kids, you get to know them. You you see them in practice every day, you see them in the film room, you see them in the weight room. Um, You you get to know them. You know what their tendencies are. You know what 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 they look like. You know what to expect. So here, this throw to me is just, just doesn't. It hangs in the air. It doesn't have much velocity on it. You know, when you throw an out route, you don't want to leave a lot of air under it because it can easily be undercut by a defender. And uh, and that's that's why you see so many out routes when they get intercepted, they turn into pick sixes. The out route, especially a deep out route, you know, it's one thing to throw like a little, you know, when the receivers are going five yards and out. But when you got a deep out route like this, not a lot of guys can make the throw. Uh, it takes a lot of power. It takes a, a lot of accuracy, and it takes – um very good timing and anticipation for this throw to happen now in college it's a little different because you can see stuff like this where the receiver just creates separation and uh, and the defender I don't know for whatever reason just doesn't react quick enough so you can you're gonna notice the receiver just kind of sitting there waiting for this ball and, uh, and and from the end zone angle you're gonna see it the ball kind of die uh, it'll lose momentum and just kind of flutter. If you will to the receiver, so I'm not really sure what's going on here. Is it uh, is this typical for fields? Um, You know, that's something I would I would like to pay a little bit more attention to as we you know um, down the road when we get to NFL draft prep and stuff. But um, yeah, you'll see it from this angle here. uh, It it just kind of right there. It just kind of dies. It just kind of kind of flutters into the receiver's hands. That's not the type of throw that that scouts like to see on an out route. They like to see you know powerful uh, velocity throws. You know, that ball should be there now, uh, but it, you know two seconds later it's there. But again, the receiver made separation, and the receiver really had to wait for that ball to arrive, and that's not what we want. I don't way too much air for that route. Way too much air for that route. But you know, again, it's not an easy throw to make. Here we go. Here we go. There are, this is a great play. Uh, He he makes a really nice throw here. Um, A throw that only his guy is going to make, or yeah, a throw that only his guy is going to catch. But there are, you know, especially from this angle, you're going to see, it's like, man, why didn't you see that? So he does a good job of, of, you know, getting out of the pocket. But Good throw where only your guy is going to make that make that catch. So he does a good job there. It turns into a touchdown. Um, but let's ju- let's go back a little bit here. First of all, and I know, you know, uh, some coaches don't want uh, – first of all, he's wide open now. So if you look to your right and you just put it on a line, get it to him, uh, it's a touchdown. <clears throat> but, you know, he waits a little bit, doesn't see him right off the bat, but eventually he gets it in the end zone he makes a good play out of it. So, we'll take it, right? Touchdown a to touchdown at the end of the day. All uh, right, under center. Now, <clears throat> I just wanted to highlight this play, because it's, and there is a flag. There, there, you're gonna see a referee here. Um, he throws his flag uh, and, and calls the play dead. But anyway, I, I hopefully that's the reason why he does this. But don't float that. Put it on the line. But again, I, you know, they're calling it dead. I'm thinking that's. I'm thinking that's the reason. I'm hoping that's the reason. That's the reason. I'm going to go ahead and and assume. So I just wanted to quickly highlight that. And um, that's just a question to where you know why why is that happening? But it, it has to be the circumstance of the of the play being called dead. Oh, oh, that's pretty. Okay. All right, we're going to end on end on a positive really quick. Um, no, it's not a completed pass, but just the I mean, no, no panic. Just oh, little subtle move, gets gets out of the pocket, makes a tough tough throw. Unfortunately, it does fall harmlessly to the ground. Um, you know, you got a guy, you know, uh, coming. So it's not a, a clear direct path to your receiver. So you kind of got to sidearm it. Um, And just, unfortunately, just a little too far could have been intercepted. So a little dangerous, but I really do enjoy seeing the guy missing the pocket. I just want to watch that one more time sack. No, just kidding. Okay. We'll go ahead and end it there folks. We're running out of time. Um, but again, I want to thank you for joining me. This was a, this was a fun show for me. I really enjoy, um, you know, I'm looking forward to the big 10 and pac 12, um, Ohio State is going to have a good team. USC is going to have a good team. There's going to be good football being played in both in each of those conferences. So uh, I want to thank you again for your support. I want to thank you again for you, for your uh, tuning in, um, and hopefully, you know you 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 know spread the word and and hopefully you you know you enjoy what you're seeing. So uh, have a wonderful Monday evening. Um, I'll see you in a couple nights on Wednesday, right back here nine o'clock p.m. Pacific time. Um, Until then, stay safe, be good, and have a good night.